When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to another day at the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie Mackay, and as always, producer Jacob is alongside me as we talk sport and talk Canterbury sport. There is so much going on at the moment, local and abroad. It's actually a bit of a battle to keep up with it all, and that's where we come in, bringing you news updates and just some quality yarns with some quality people. Well, Jacob, it's been a big week. How how are you going and how's how's the running going? I've got a running question to throw to you, but uh, how you been going with that so far? Um, well, this is the first that anyone's heard on on SCNZ um, about my running ventures. I'm not a mm. not a massive runner. Back in the day, obviously, I grew grew up playing football and uh, cricket in the summer, football in the winter. So uh, there was numerous occasions where I I would moan to my parents about having to run on the football pitch. Uh, so cricket was more of my game. Um, but I've decided to take on the Auckland Half Marathon, um, which is, yeah, a bit of a surprising feat, uh, turn, turned of the tables, you could say. Um, but I know, Frankie, you've, you've completed the, half marath- the Auckland Half Marathon, correct? I have. I've done it once. I've done Dunedin twice. And now I am basically an old lady with knees that are shot to bits who can barely run. But I'm hopeful to get back to it. But my question around the running is... Recently, we've had Kiwi and and he's a local lad as well, Sam Harvey. He's he's been involved in a backyard ultra marathon. And if you're wondering what that is, on the hour every hour, you run a loop of six point seven kilometres, and you basically keep going until you drop or you can't make the start line. And he did it for a hundred and one laps. So that's a hundred and one hours. So my question to you, Jacob, is. <laughs> To do something for 101 hours, to do this running, how, how far or how short would the race have to be? I think I'm probably tapping out at 400 metres, and that might be generous. So non-stop, I, 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 or I can stop and walk for a bit. and Yeah, so you've just got to, on the hour, every hour, run a certain distance, oh, okay, yep. and then you get to rest the rest of the hour. How lot? How how? How short would it have to be to be able to do that 101 <laughs> times? 101? Um, well, I mean, well, 100 metres is obviously very gettable, I think. Um, I'm going to, uh, hmm, one, I'll say one kilometre. I'll say okay. one kilometre. Oh, that is pretty hefty. Consider- that's actually a massive, <laughs> massive call from you, and yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave that, but that's Jacob's answer. It's, uh... It's uh, it's a kilometre. Great. Well, anyway, Smithy caught up with Sam during the week. So if you want to have a listen to Sam Harvey and what he got up to, you can check that out on Spotify or SNZ Mornings with Smithy. We should probably crack into our show and what we've got coming up. We're going to talk women's rugby, of course. It's been a massive week. We're going to catch up with Emma Dermody, all things Canterbury rugby, all things local rugby as well. We're going to talk to Canterbury Rams head coach Judd Flavel, get the, the lay of the land where they are with finals. We're going to talk to George Berry as well and that's going to be a real footy focus to finish the show but there's also plenty going on in Canterbury that I I, I shouldn't 
probably ignore. It's it's a midwinter beer fest. That's today, midday till 10pm, Beat the Winter Blues with Canterbury's best craft beer, live music, food trucks at Two Thumb on Manchester. Uh, also... Of course, it's the fireworks, the winter fireworks spectacular. That starts 5.30, goes to 8 o'clock at the new Brighton Pier. Do not miss out on that one. It's school holidays coming up, so check out Kids Fest if you need some stuff to keep the kids occupied. As well, if you're into if you're into powerlifting, today there's a lifting competition. Starts at 10 a.m. Spectators welcome at Recreate Performance Gym on Morehouse Ave. And if you want a bit of a, a scare, a bit of a fright, the Horror Trail is back. It's the last night tonight, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. PM at the Wymac River Riding Centre, 219 Coots Island Road. It is quite scary, so 13, ages 13 and over, only tickets start from $20. So there's heaps going on, there's heaps coming up in the show, it's enough from us chitter-chattering away, so let's have a quick break and then we will be back and we'll be talking to Judd Flavel first up. Basketball time now, and the Canterbury Rams currently sit fourth on the table, one win away from guaranteeing a top six spot and a place in the playoffs. We're lucky enough to be joined by head coach today, Judd Flavel, ahead of Sunday's matchup with top of the table, Auckland Tuatara. Thanks for joining us, Judd. How are you, and, and how's the team been going, and how's the week going ahead of Sunday's game? Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, things are tracking on uh, pretty good down here in Christchurch, so... Um, yeah, just getting ready for the game on Sunday. You know, it's been a long time between our last game last Thursday, so we've uh, we've had a good week, and um, yeah, looking forward to this one. Yeah, it has been a, a bit of a break between games. How how do you manage that as a coach? What is it? Is it time to to get away from the game? Is it actually time that you you get a bit more time with the team? You get a bit more training in. What does that What does that kind of look like? Yeah, well, we had the weekend off, so that was a good start. I think last weekend that the guys will get um, basically until the end of the season. So, you know, good chance to, yeah, forget about basketball for a couple of days. Um, but, you know, also guys, I guess, get what they need. So, you know, at this time of the season, I guess bodies are a little bit banged up. So good chance for us to get on top of those things and uh, off the court. Um but at the same time, you know, a, a good week of practice. And so we've got a heavy schedule, game schedule coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, we've got three games in seven or eight days. So, yeah, this this period of time is a good chance for us to get back into, into building on our foundations and then, yeah, bring the bodies up to, to, uh, to a good place where, you know, they're ready to go for the next, uh, the next step is. Yeah, you mentioned that full-on schedule to to finish the regular season off. Is that a is that a positive? You know, you win a few games on the bounce, get into playoffs, you can actually take a little bit of momentum in, or, or would you rather be having a little bit more time to put the feet up at this stage of the season? Oh, I think if you ask any coach, probably they want more practice time. <laughs> you ask any yeah. player, they want more game time. But um, look, I think it's either way, it's good for us to be together. We've got... Um, you know, three of those games on the road. We still have a, I guess, one of our, as um, an improvement area for us is just our chemistry. Um, you know, since, I guess, the departure of Ty Wynyard, we've had some pieces that have been coming in and, and the latest one being Corey Webster. So, you know, this time on the road together and, and away and playing lots of games, um, I think will be a good thing for us and, and really sort of, you know, just sharpen us up uh you know, getting ready for, I guess, uh, or, or just building us closer together. 
Yeah, you mentioned Corey Webster. He's he's in a Ram single. His brother back home playing as well. Both Webster brothers back in the league. How, how big is it to have players of of their calibre back involved and in, and in playing at home? Yeah, I'd be great for the league. Great for our sport to have you know our best players come back and and play and uh, both teams, Otago and in Canterbury, you know, they've had uh, good seasons as well. So. It um, yeah, just lifts the standard, I, I guess, across the league. I mean, for us, it's it's a great um, learning curve for our younger guys too. So Corey's obviously, you know, been and played around the world plenty of times and done plenty of, of great things. And, and we have a, a younger group that, uh, you know, aspiring to do those things as well. And, and so having a, a leader and a vet like that around the around the team is is a great uh, a great attribute to have. And, and you know, obviously. That's not even talking about the stuff that does on the court, but um, yeah, no, great influence for us. Yeah, and what, what's he like as a guy? I mean, we see him on court; he's an incredible basketball player. But what, what's the kind of what? What is he bringing to the team? Is he a pretty relaxed character? Is he someone who's pretty driven at, at trainings? What, what's what's he bringing to this this Ram side? Yeah, well, I mean, he's only been here for one game, but we um, you know Corey. He's uh, he's. He's very much uh, relaxed, but driven. Um, you know, as everybody are, I guess, different. And you know, he's uh, he's certainly one that um, has had a lot of success and expects to be successful. And, and puts that, um, you know, I guess, where wherever he goes, and hence the reason why he's had a great career. Um, and I guess, you know, he's he's a family man. He's got, um, you know, he's at the well. I'm not going to say later stages, but he is not the young spring chicken anymore. And he's been, so he, he does carry a lot of experience. And I think he is, is really matured and as a, as a player, as a person. And um, I think you've seen that in his, in his play of his basketball too. I, I think is, he always had a knack for scoring and putting the ball in the hole. He's had that ability since he was very young. Um, but I think he reads the game very well as well. So he, um, yeah, very smart player world-class shooter, scorer, um, but get, can get the job done. And, and that's what we're looking for and, and looking to leverage off him. So, you know, when it comes down to big games and end of the season and, you know, hopefully playoffs and, and you know, and uh, crunch time games and moments, you know, there's no one better that you want on your, on your, on your team. Yeah, I must say, I was, I was thrilled when I saw he was going to be donning the Rams singlet. I thought that was, that was excellent news. But, you know, this this competition, it's it's getting to the pointy end. It's getting right down to the, the nitty-gritty. But all 10 teams are still a chance to make the playoffs. There's only three teams locked in so far. Is that is that good signs for the league at the moment, that anyone can beat anyone on their day? They can turn up and get the win and, and just how close these games are? Yeah, it's it's a... It's a great competition. I think when you have all ten teams, you know, alive and, and their season still, everybody's got something to play for, um, and everybody's chasing that top six. I, I think the six moving to the top six is a great initiative because it is worthy. Or any one of these ten teams are, are worthy of being in their top six. Um, and yeah, I've been around, I guess, the New Zealand competition for a long time, and it and it got to the point where it was really like a two-tier competition where the top mm. teams were battling for a championship and the bottom teams were, were battling to, to not end it with the wooden spoon. And so uh, I, I think the initiative and what Justin Nelson has done with the, 
I guess, uh, what he's brought in to the table and has, has really, I guess, changed that. And um, we're now seeing a, a real competitive you know, basketball every single game. Uh, very rarely do you, do you see blowouts and uh, and then you see there's not really an upset anymore. You know, like uh, teams, are, uh, you have to bring it every single game. And, and so anybody's capable of, of beating anybody and... Um, which makes it for a you know for a, a good competition spectacle and a good product on uh, you know on our um, home soil. Yeah, and it is it's a big game this Sunday taking on the Tuatara. They're top of the table. The last time you matched up, Rob Lowe went close to a triple double. He's been playing pretty well, let's say, all season. H- have you got some plans up your sleeves and ideas how to how to limit his impact on the game? <laughs> Plenty of ideas. Um, not sure it's a uh, you know as easy as that. Um, like he's a very smart player. He, mm. the, the one thing with Rob, if you put a lot of focus on Rob, you know he's very smart. He'll find other guys and and get others involved. And his impact isn't just about trying to shut him down. Like he defensively, he's um, I, I think he's he's the anchor of their team, no doubt. But defensively is is where his presence, I, I believe, is more. Um, more of a factor so you know that, that, that can be easier said than done because you might have a game plan but you know they'll also have a, a counter to that and and Rob yeah he's he's clearly the MVP of this league um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's saying that but um, yeah he's he's a very good player very good basketball player um, retired prematurely <laughs> he should still be playing in the Australian NBL Um yeah, no, he's just, uh, you know, what else can you say about the guy? But uh, we'll be giving it a good crack, you know. We're, we're, we, I mean, it's more than just Rob Lowe out there. I mean, there's the other guys that you look at them, very experienced international campaigners with Cam Glidden, Ruben Tangi, of course, Tall Black's mm-hmm. captain, and um, Jared Weeks, who, you know, um, also a very good player. So, yeah, this this is why this team is, you know, sitting at the top and, and found good form. They've got great chemistry and, and Aaron Young, the coach, has done a good job of, of making that work as well. And, yeah, it's uh, it's why they sit up top. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic matchup, that's for sure, one to watch. And and while we've got you, Judd, I just want to talk on the, touch on the the Tall Black side as well. I've seen the, the extended squad list and, and there's some there's some pretty talented players in there. But, you know, you must be pleased to see a couple of Rams faces in there as well. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we we kind of got a younger group and, and guys that are aspiring and, and guys with big futures and so of course Corey Webster's in there and uh, but uh as you're referring to, I guess Taylor Britt, who has been part of the group, you know, for uh, for their campaigns uh, you know, during the last uh, couple of years and um has been very serviceable and um and reliable and and I guess, uh, you know, that it's been great for him to, to get the, the call up into that squad and, and have a crack. And then, obviously, Walter Brown has just continued to get better and better. Um, obviously, a bit of a bolter last year, but proving mm. this season that, uh, you know, he's, he's here for, for good. And, and, uh, and, yeah, like I said, has a great future in front of him. So, yeah, great recognition for, for the Rams. We're very proud of them and, and their seasons. And, uh you know, I'm sure they'll go very close to, to pushing their way um, or making some noise in, in that group. Yeah, Walter Brown this season, I, I think he, he's been fantastic. I think, he, as you mentioned, he's just growing and growing as a player. But 
he's a real spark plug in your team. Is he? Is he even not like that? Is he even not just jumping around and, and full of energy? No, that's that's what we love. I think um, if you ask any coach, right, like you just you want you want to know what you're going to get out of the players. Basically, you know, consistency is is the biggest um, probably thing of all. And and he's just one guy. Ever since I I got to, I guess work with Walter last year, early stages, you, you got to see, okay, this kid's got some talent. But really, just the way he approaches it, he's no nonsense. He just gets on with the job. Uh, he knows who he is. He knows what he is. Um, you know, he doesn't try to do, I guess, too much outside of the skill set. I mean, but that's a, that's a long-term goal for, you know, to, to keep working on. But I guess that's why he got the nod and, and got playing a, a lot of the minutes and a big role for me. And, and um, you know, I, I think uh, we're going to continue to see him get better and better. And obviously, he picked up a three-year contract with Tasmania. Um, so, yeah, I think the future's bright for Walter. And obviously, being a Cantabrian down here, everybody loves him. And, um, yeah, it's just a, a great kid all, all around. Yeah, absolutely. We do love them. And, and we love what you're doing with the Rams as well. They are an exciting team to watch. Can't wait for Sunday's game. I think it's going to be a brilliant matchup. Brilliant matchup. So thanks very much for your time, Judd. It's it's always good to talk. And, and from us, best of luck for, for Sunday's game. Oh, thank you very much. And that was Canterbury Rams head coach Judd Flavel ahead of their game against top of the table Auckland Tuatara. We'll take a quick break now and we'll be back. Women's rugby back in the spotlight this week. Black Ferns first game of the season. Canterbury have named their Farah Palmer Cup squad to defend their title. And we love talking local sports here. So for this week's local sports update brought to you by Trident Homes. Designed for living, built for life. We're catching up with Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup squad member Emma Dermody. Emma, welcome. Thanks for joining us. How, how are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm good, thank you. How are you getting on? Yeah, very well. And it's it's a congratulations to you for making that Canterbury side once again. Third season now, I believe, for you. Does this does this make you one of the old heads of the group now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'm still only 22, but yes, um, we've got quite a young new squad this year. So I guess I am an old head, Yeah. <laughs> And, and I've got to ask, you were you were Rookie of the Year for Matatu, but am I right in saying that you initially went to Lincoln Uni on a netball scholarship? What what happened there? Yeah, I I've obviously I played rugby and netball since I was a little, a little girl, um, and then went to Lincoln and applied for both scholarships, rugby and netball, and they gave me a netball scholarship. I uh, did one year on netball and then decided I missed rugby too much, so dropped that and headed back to the rugby scene. And then, yeah, was lucky enough to make the FPC team that year and then got pulled into Matatu um, as well. But, yeah, never got a game that year, but it was still cool to be part of that environment. Yeah, and that, the club season has just wrapped up, and unfortunately, I'm sorry to bring it up, but Lincoln didn't make the final. But uh, a quality varsity team, they ended up the winners. Were they... Were they kind of the team to beat all season? Was that uh, was that the team everyone was chasing? Yeah, I think um, it was quite nice this year. With uh, but all four prem women's teams were quite um, even. Uh, I guess UC had an advantage of they were quite a solid team all year with no um, players coming in and out. They they didn't have any Blackburn, so they were quite solid uh, across the park. Obviously, a lot of experience too. Um, so, yeah, we were battling with a, a young Lincoln team, but it's pretty cool to see 
where we ended up and obviously Christchurch are always um, strong with the likes of mm. Steph Fox in there so yeah it was a cool a cool tournament well yeah series um but yes you see definitely one of the top teams throughout yeah and Steph Fox she just keeps keeps on keeping on doesn't she but uh at the other end of the scale there's a, a couple of your Lincoln teammates they could be potential debutants for Canterbury this year and Hayley Hutana and Maddie Robinson can you tell us a little bit about them and and just what they might bring to the group yeah uh, Maddie is on scholarship at Lincoln well she was on scholarship with me at Lincoln for rugby uh, she played for development for the last two years and got a, a wee crack for Tasman one game last year and um, yeah so it's pretty exciting to see her come through um, just shows the depth of our likes of our development team and the players in Canterbury getting experiences through other provinces um, and then yeah hopefully she'll get her debut this season and we're very lucky to have Hayley come down from Auckland um, to play. She, yeah, chose Lincoln, which was a good decision for her. Um, so, yeah, she's obviously got lots of experience playing for the Blues and counties throughout FPC, so it'll be cool to have her on our team instead of playing against her. Yeah, absolutely. There are there are a few new faces in this group. There's a, a squad of 35, I think you've got at the moment. Ten potential debutants in there, but also ten involved with the Black Ferns. Does that feel like a, a good mix, I guess, of, of youth and experience? Yeah, I think it's exciting opportunities on both ends. I mean, it's very cool for the Black Ferns to be away um, doing their thing, you know, getting their opportunities. But in turn, also exciting for the new girls coming through. I mean, it's quite cool to see where it can take you if, you know, all these black friends started out playing FPC and now look at them. So having that mix in the team, I think, brings, yeah, a lot of excitement. Um, obviously different levels, but, yeah, having the pathway right in front of you and being able to learn from the best in the business is quite exciting for us. Yeah, you, you touch on that, like watching the Black Ferns, be, being involved with some of those players, obviously at a, a domestic level, you know, you see your friends out there in the black jersey, you see the style of rugby they're playing, you see the way that they're being supported by by the country now, I guess, as well. Is Does that just become really motivational for you as a player? Is that the big goal to, to get the black jersey on? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for most of us, it's definitely the goals. Yeah, I really, really hope to get there one day. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, growing up as a kid, I never really got exposed to watching the Black Ferns. Uh, and then moving up to Christchurch and um, seeing them play, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm locking beside one and another one's in front of me, one's behind me. I mean, it, it can't get much better than that, having someone to follow who's genuinely one of the best players in the world. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting and it's really cool to see that the opportunity is right there. And the game is, it's only getting more and more professional, there's more and more exposure. How much of an impact does that professional aspect have on you and, and your game? Yeah, I think I got an experience of it through Matatu, the um, semi-professional side. It's definitely um, something cool, you know, you're getting getting paid to do something that you actually love doing, um, being able to run around on the grass and playing footy with your best mates. It's definitely um, an attractive job to have. Um, yeah, I think it's exciting and hopefully it can continue to grow and we'll see the, you know, professional side become more normal um but yeah i think fbc is a good pathway into that sort of um experience so yeah i can't wait to see it keep growing yeah and, and how much of an impact is that 
that World Cup win that the, the Black Ferns had. How much is, is that going to have an impact on the amount of, of women and girls who are playing the sport, who are interested in the sport? Have you seen that potentially already at a, at a club level? Yeah, I believe, uh, especially within Canterbury, we've actually seen about a 10% increase of girls playing the sport. So already um, something is obviously attracting them to play. Uh, like I said before, when we were younger, we never really got to see those black friends on the TV. And now, you know, it's something that you are appealed to every single day. Um, so I think with the exposure of the game, um, yeah, it's only going to continue to grow. So that's pretty exciting to see. Yeah, first game of the season for Canterbury as well, two weeks away, 15th of July against Wellington, starting off at home, which is always nice. What does the build-up to, to this season look like? What, what's what's the team getting up to? Uh, yeah, so we've had our first uh, week of training this week, and we've got a pre-season this weekend uh, against Otago and Tasman, which we're pretty lucky to have those two teams come. Um, good exposure for both, both sides, I guess, um, see where we're at in terms of where we need to be, uh, yeah, Wellington at home will be pretty exciting. We've got JJ Stewart up to defend, which is also we've uh, something we've managed to keep in our pockets for a long time. Yeah. So I think that extra motivation um, to win that game, to, to keep the trophy, is something that the girls are really holding on to. And I've got to ask, is there, is there a little bit of pressure that goes on as, as defending champs? I think pressure is something that you can either embrace or see as yeah, see, is something that you don't really want to face up to. But I think in Canterbury, we've, yeah, we're pretty used to the pressure. Um, I see it as an exciting opportunity. I mean, I feel pretty privileged to feel pressure. So I guess we just take that as motivation. And, yeah, um, everyone has a little superpower that they can put out into the game. And if we just all use our superpowers, then we can pull through and, yeah, embrace that pressure. Yeah, I love that. I love to hear that. Now, you've got a new coach as well, Jimmy Sinclair. First time Canterbury's had a full-time paid coach dedicated to women's rugby. What's he like, and what's he going to bring to this Canterbury group? Yeah, Jimmy's an amazing person. He um, he has his little flares that he brings into the game. He's obviously got some exciting ideas, and it's going to be a change, but I think it, it'll be a, a nice change. Um, obviously, credit to the coaches previously, and it's exciting to see how they've um, grown through the game but yeah I think it'll be cool um, Jimmy's got a few tricks up his sleeve um, and he's a very cool guy and I think he's already um, you know building those relationships with the girls and yeah it'll be exciting. Yeah it sure will be. Is there a team you just can't wait to beat? Is there a matchup that you love looking forward to during the season? Uh, for me probably Auckland. Um, got uh, My sister she played for them last year so uh, there's a bit of a grudge match go there for me personally but um, and just being exposed to you know playing what what else is the best in my position sort of thing you know you've got the likes of Maya Roos in there which is also something that I you know like to challenge myself on so yeah probably Auckland for me. Yeah love it love to hear that I think every Cantab says that as well that Auckland's the team you want to beat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Eva, thanks so much for your time. Look, we can't wait for the season to get underway and for you and the team to get out on the field. So thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat with us and and best of luck for the upcoming season as well. Thank you so much. That was Canterbury rugby player Emma Dermody talking women's rugby and that's this week's local sports update brought to you by Trident Homes, proud supporters of Canterbury community sport across Christchurch. Check out the modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz.
Into the home stretch now, and it's time to talk all things sport with the man in the know, who's probably worn every hat possible in the sporting world. It is friend of the show, George Berry. George, it's, it's been a little while now. How are you? Oh, very well, thank you, Frankie. Yeah, it does feel well. I was sort of talking to someone about that the other day when uh, uh, we talk about little bits of experience in the eye yeah, on the Rugby League World Cup campaign, or we're down with Winter Games then, or working for TVNZ, and uh, you're now at Canterbury Rugby and enjoying that um, immensely. So, yeah, it's good to get around a few sports, but um, yeah, rugby is, is certainly where we're at the, mo- at the moment and got lots of passion for it, which is cool. Yeah, it is indeed. We'll start with rugby. Crusaders, we've got to touch on that, don't we? I mean, seven in a row incredible final are they just the best team going around what is it that makes this crusaders team just just so blimmin impressive well they certainly put the chiefs off their game didn't they that was probably one of uh yeah i wouldn't say it's the best game of rugby we've ever seen but i was certainly surprised by how many mistakes i think the chiefs made and invariably when you make mistakes you you put into a space to make them and the uh, crusaders certainly did that um and i guess that also shows you how much love and passion that uh, the guys within the team have for it to to turn up like you know Sam Whitelock that uh, is now potentially in doubt for an All Blacks test at the moment because of his Achilles. But there is no way after a couple of weeks on the sideline was he going to miss what would you know potentially be or what was going to be his last game for the Crusaders. Um, you know the way that Richie played, all of that sort of stuff. Too, I just thought the team was immense. They've had so many injuries. I was actually at Crusaders HQ watching the game with about half a dozen of the guys that are mm. injured: the Fletcher Newells, the Joe Moody's. To, um, you know, to see those guys that would have been on the field uh, but were injured just so then to show you how deep the Crusaders have had to go this year is, um, is a pretty extraordinary story within itself. Yeah, well I think, what was it, 12 players out, 8 of them all blacks. I mean, there's no team, there's no team other than the Crusaders going around who could cope with losses like that, is there? Oh, I think if you look at the front row towards the end, um, you know, there's a couple of props out there that not, people had never even heard of, you know, uh, Ruben and, and, uh, and that at that point. So, um, yeah, it just shows you how, how deep they did have to go. Uh, and some of the other players that played, you know, Cody Taylor, you know, playing 80 minutes. Uh, George Bell was on the bench, but he'd basically been scratched for the whole year after, uh, I think, breaking his ankle or whatever it was at the end of last year. And then you, uh, Brody McAllister, you know, ripping the hamstring off the bone and um, uh, about the quarterfinal, was it, or against the Blues, I think it was as well. So, yeah, they just constantly went deeper and deeper and deeper. It was really interesting actually being at Rugby Park throughout the year and you kind of look out the window on a Tuesday or Thursday to try and see who the new players are out there um, training because uh, it just seemed to be more and more and more people turning up in places you didn't know when you um, when you went to the bathroom and bumped into a new player. Love it, love it. I'm pleased as well you mentioned Sam Whitelock because it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, he's injured, he's obviously hugely experienced, he knows his body well, and it just seemed to me like there was there was no chance he was going to miss the, the opportunity to play in that, in that final, his last game of the Red and Black. It's a good thing, right? I mean, that's we can put our Crusaders hat on, we can put our All Blacks hat on, but surely it's a positive to see guys like that who are still all in for Canterbury rugby. Oh, I think without a doubt. Uh, I mean, if Sam Wallock never played another game of rugby again, he'd be he'd go down as a, an absolute legend of the game, wouldn't he? So uh, if that's where his level of commitment is at, yeah, he's absolutely been part of Canterbury and Crusaders rugby for a long time. And again, that just shows his love and care for, for a team 
um, you know, that, that's very much part of his family. Obviously, all of his brothers have come through the Crusaders as well, so it means a lot to the, the wider Whitelock family. Um, that then to see the guys around him too, Scott Barrett, and that absolutely step up, like that was really interesting for me. I, I think if the All Blacks were looking for a number six, well, gee, he answered that question. Um, I think it was Damien McKenzie at one stage. He absolutely flew up out of the line, grabbed hold of McKenzie and ripped him to the ground. I was like, gee, he was, he was taken off like a winger at that point, but he's got the size of a lock or the size of a, of a loose forward to do it so yeah there's some people around um, Sam Whitlock that are you know, absolutely immense um, and they, they were absolutely playing for him and playing for Richie and, and even guys like Jack Goodhue that are, are heading off to France as well Yeah and of course we, we probably can't have a Crusaders discussion without talking about Razor and, and his influence you mentioned how you're lucky enough to be you know spending some time at Rugby Park what's what's the man like for our for our listeners is he just to, just like what we see on the tally, or or what does Razor bring to a to a workplace to a team? Uh, I th- he yes, he said something in a in a coaching uh, setup he had a wee while ago um, when he was asked to sum up what the Crusaders are about, and he, he said it was a bunch of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and and that is just simply the best way of putting who Razor is or what he does. I think he he takes a really um, uh, immense amount of pride in picking up signals about people long before anyone else does um, and getting around and, and you know, that comes through connection, that comes through walking through the office and say uh, uh, even into the Canterbury community team or the Canterbury team before he then gets into the Crusaders part of the office and going around and doing his, you know, his knucks, making sure he connects with people, looks them in the eye, asks how they are and, and genuinely is interested um, or you know getting around uh, as players are coming off the field and you know putting an arm around and asking how they are or uh, and knowing about them you know knowing that they've got two kids or whether they've had any sleep lately or all of those sorts of things um, are the things that are you know, 100% is what makes a, a bit of difference about him it's really interesting actually I uh, not to talk about myself but you know uh, coaching our little under teens team this year um, out in the country, I 100% just take all of those things into it, and it's amazing when you watch people apply some of those things to a team environment, just how people respond, and then it takes you back to the you know ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I think they do that when people love and care about them, um, and that is absolutely led by by Razor. So yeah, it's going to be cool to see what he can do with the All Blacks, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it is. No, I think that's that's just so true. I think anyone. You know, who's sitting at home listening at the moment? Who's who's played a bit of sport? Just knows how that that connection, how how impactful a, a coach, a leader, just someone showing that they love and care about you can actually be. So yeah, I'm ex, I'm excited to see what he can do in that in that All Blacks group. And I mean, talking talking All Blacks, the first thing I'm going to put to you, it's been a bit of a talking <laughs> point. You, you probably know what's coming here. That jersey. What are you What are you thinking there? Yeah, I, I certainly don't want to be disrespectful to um, the storyline and, and the man that designed it. Um, you know, there's some, some coolness in that, I suppose. But uh, I think one of my mates summed it up pretty quickly when he thought it looked like the same doodle that his, uh, daughter, his four-year-old daughter has on their fridge. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, well, we're getting to that level. I mean, the, the question comes, how, how, how do you kind of sex up a black jersey? Um, I understand that. Or how many times can you do it? You know, you think Adidas has been involved since 1999 with the All Blacks. So uh, certainly the last World Cup that they were involved in, the first World Cup, should I say. Um, Mm. So it's it's been a black jersey. It's had a white collar. It's done all those other things. But, yeah, I I didn't expect to see that of it. Uh, Certainly as an international uh, interpretation is probably a a way of putting it. 
Um, but yeah, we didn't. I don't think we did that to it when the World Cup was in Japan. We certainly didn't do it, do that to it when the World Cup was in England. So um, yeah, maybe it's the French that are just trying to put us off. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's for sure. I think it's one of those things that you know, if you play for New Zealand, if you're one of these blokes lucky enough to to put on an All Blacks jersey, you actually don't really care what it looks like. And I think that's the same across all sports. If if you get a piece in New Zealand kit with your name, your number on it, your initials on it. It's the best thing in the world, no matter what it looks like. But for the rest of us who have to go out and pay for it, we want something that looks a little bit better. And so that that one's that one's a miss for me as well, unfortunately. But let's talk All Blacks, All Blacks squad. Do you like what you see? Do, do you think we're in a good place? What do we potentially need to see from the All Blacks leading up into this World Cup to actually start to feel a bit more confident that maybe we could be there or thereabouts come come finals time? Yeah, it'll be interesting. One, I think um, the combinations are, are the interesting part. Certainly, you know, the props are pretty light at the moment. I, I suspect that you, you know, the uh, hookers are locked in with Cody Taylor and um, Takiaho, um, but the props are certainly going to rotate in and out a little bit. For you, know, Fletcher Newell hasn't had much for a while, but as part of that squad, um, you know, I didn't see much out of the Blues props uh, in that game against the Crusaders. Um, you know, when they got absolutely spanked in Christchurch. So, yeah, you know, are they good enough to play at the level? It'll be really interesting to see. Um, those other combos, you know, halfback, you know, obviously Smith's there locked in pretty quickly. I think Richie's locked in at 10. Uh, I'd, I'd be very interested to see where we see Bowden Barrett play. Um, I, or, you know, I, I think that Richie, well, I'm pretty comfortable in saying Richie's got the number 10 jersey locked in. I don't know that... Um, that Bowden's done enough in that space. And then has he got the 15 in there? I don't, I don't know if he's good enough to play 15 when Geordie or even D-Mac's available. Is D-Mac the one to cover those spots on the bench for you? Uh, I would suggest so. So, yeah, that's going to be really interesting for me to see how they actually put uh, a team together or what it looks like. They've got a few games to do it, but, gee, you know, when you've only got four or five games to go and then you arrive at the World Cup, you'd be wanting to get some answers pretty quickly, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's probably the thing that's of slight concern. I think normally you get to the stage World Cup year and you you feel like everything's pretty locked in. You're basically just waiting for it to start. But, yeah, I think there's still a few questions, positional questions, those combinations, exactly what it looks like. And, and if that all-black side can get back to playing their best footy. But I tell you who, who hit the ground running, the Black Ferns this week. How good was that to see? How impressive was that? 50 nil. You haven't played any footy since you know you become Rugby World Cup champions. You come out and you make a statement like that. How good was that to see? Oh, that was epic. Yeah, absolutely epic. I think there's, without being um, disrespectful to the Blackthorns, because they're not at all, I think the Wallaroos were, were horrible um, <laughs> and not much of an, an opposition. But absolutely, there's a, you know, a number of new players uh, back in there uh, on the wing. There's a, you know, a new prop. There was all sorts of stuff there. Uh, Amy Rule not getting a start and him coming off the bench in the, in the second half there. I thought the Bremner sisters were fantastic in that first half. You know, Sylvia Brunt was... You know, enormous really wasn't she mm. some of those hits she made um, the try she scored uh, yeah to think that you, you take out uh, Kendra Coxedge and uh, you know, a few of those senior players and bring in a, a couple of new ones um, the skill level I think the skill level for the first sort of 15 minutes just was a maybe off a little bit, but it was then, yep. you know, getting used to each other and finding out what was going on so a few drop balls and bits and pieces but gee once they warmed up they were just electric weren't they? Yeah the 
the line speed is what really stood out to me. They were just absolutely flying up and physical. They were just absolutely laying into those poor Aussie lasses. They they had a bit of a struggle against the Black Ferns, but heck, Black Ferns, they, they bought it. They bought the physicality. They put points on the board, and it's going to be exciting to see where that team can go to. Another exciting competition coming up, Farah Palmer Cup. How's, how's Canterbury looking this year? Yeah, good. Isn't it? Uh, just named the side on Wednesday, so a new coaching group um, with Jimmy Sinclair leading it this year. You know, um, loved in the community, so he's had the opportunity to select this new team. And, and uh, I think what was it, ten or twelve? So new new faces. Um, yeah. No, no black ferns effectively through till about round three from from memory. So yeah, the sides are going to look really really different. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out for the likes of Kelson McCook. Um, she's been sniffing around that halfback sort of spot for the last couple of years behind uh, Kendra, and, but she's awesome. She's really, really good. We'll, uh, the new uh, first five will get the opportunity there with Rosie Kelly being away and also uh, Te Oriwa Gappa, uh, unavailable due to injury. So we new first five. And there, obviously, uh, Grace Steinmetz has just joined the Black Ferns as well as, as cover, so there'll be a couple of new wingers in there. Uh, expect a, a big year, I, I suspect, from... Uh, Izzy Waterman, uh, she's just been getting better and better and you know, away playing for the Hurricanes um, power this, this last super super round. Interesting will be the front row, I think. There's a couple of new props in there as well um, that have played a little bit for other um, other teams, Tasman and bits and pieces, but uh, to have them uh, now playing for Canterbury with some opportunities is going to be interesting. Uh, three rounds of sisters as well is going to be um, a big one, Like not just three across the competition, but three sets of sisters inside the Canterbury team, uh, which I don't think has been done before. So, um, yeah, the Simpsons, uh, Timon and Nui's, and, uh, and the Bremners when they're back. So, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. But, yeah, it's an interesting... And as you, put, I mean, you can probably answer that as much as anyone, Frankie. There's a lot of talk about a team like Canterbury being defending champions, but, I mean, effectively that's last year isn't it? You have to turn up and you have to start again with a new group, or do you, you know, do you feel the pressure of all that stuff that's gone before you, and you know, still holding on to the JJ Stewart and media talking yap as being defending champions and all that sort of stuff? But it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. Yeah, it was actually we actually spoke with Emma Dermody a little bit earlier in the show today, and it, it was one of the questions I put to her. It's like, you know, is, is there a bit of pressure actually that goes on as defending champs? And she said. Nah, it's all how you look at it, that it's it's exciting to be part of and that actually, you know, you've got to walk towards some of those challenges and you've got to embrace them and, and really talking about feeling the privilege of being in a position that actually there might be a bit of pressure on. So, yeah, I was I was excited to hear that. I think whenever you get a team together, I think, like you said, I think there's 10 uh, potential debutants in that group at the moment. I think when you start getting... You know, players where you've got so much, so many new faces, and you get some of your more experienced players talking like that about what a privilege it is, how exciting it is. Yeah, I think they're actually in a really good spot when you when you start hearing things like that. Yeah, keep an eye on Emma. Um, yeah, she absolutely she kicks on this year. Can stay injury free, then she could easily be knocking on the door of a of a black trend spot. Uh, in the future, no doubt she'll take on that leadership role um, within the Canterbury squad. She's yeah, she's uh, she's certainly one to watch. I, I remember actually her old man was a coach of mine about 20 years ago down at Southland. So um, lovely family, but yeah, to see her come through and and really relishing those opportunities is is really cool. And and she's doing some good stuff in um, uh, girls and women's rugby too, just from the community perspective. So yeah, good job from Emma. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. We like that as well because we'll claim it, obviously, a small part of her success if she goes on to, to become a black fern. We will say, well, obviously, it's the it's the Canterbury Sports Corner. 100%. It's the influence 100%. we've had. So 
We will we will claim that. We love to hear it. Another week done and dusted. That's all we've got for you. Thanks for joining us once again on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. We look forward to your company again, same time, same place next week as we talk all things Canterbury sports.